Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. Uh, just a quick word of introduction to uh, the Reverend Dr. Justin Holcomb. Father Justin works for the Diocese of Central Florida and is our guest teacher and preacher today. He's a dear friend of mine, a man of God, and I look forward to hearing him expound on the scriptures we just heard proclaimed. Let's have a word of prayer. Gracious God, thank you for sending this godly man into our midst to open your word to us this morning, uh, talking to us about its reliability and its authority, and now expounding on the text with his own creativity and imagination. We ask that you would open our hearts to hear what you have to say through him this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, brother. It's good to be with you, and um, I'm honored to be here, and thank you, Father Cameron, for the invitation. We, we just got out of the Sunday school class where we talked about the reliability of Scripture, and so to be able to talk about the reliability of Scripture and then come here and worship being drenched in Scripture and what it gives us is a great joy. And uh, just before we dive into the text, uh, I've been working for the diocese for five years as canon for vocations. And what I do is I pay attention to the seminarians and and focus attention on them. So I got to know Father Cameron years ago. So it's just that I don't always get to serve with the people that I got to watch as they were just plowing through seminary. And so it's very fulfilling personally for me, but just a joy to serve alongside someone who I admire, both the sharpness of his mind, but his pastoral sensibility and care for you all. Um, so this is a great joy. So thank you, Father Cameron. Um, so I want to focus on the gospel passage where Jesus, and, and the Deuteronomy passage, but where Jesus is talking about the Sabbath. And to get into the Sabbath, I want to tell you a story first, and then that'll help frame our, our gospel passage. A few years ago, I was walking around with earbuds in, listening to some music. And I was listening, it doesn't really matter, but just in case you care, it was Smashing Pumpkins. Does anyone know Smashing Pumpkins? Okay, more than I thought, great. It was a while ago. Um, it was one of the last CDs I bought. Father Cameron said it was one of the first ones he bought, so the age <laughs> discrepancy is already there. And I was listening to the song, Bullet with Butterfly Wings. And my friend said hey, what are you listening to? And I said, oh, Bullet with Butterfly Wings, one of my favorite Smashing Pumpkin songs. And he said, I love that song. It's so uplifting. Well, the song's not uplifting. <laughs> and so I was curious, and I said, well, tell me more about why it's so uplifting to you. And he said, oh, I love the chorus. Well, let me tell you what the chorus really says. The chorus says, despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in the cage. Despite all my rage, I'm still trapped like a rat in a cage. That's not uplifting. That's, that's despair. It's angst. It's something besides uplifting. He misunderstood the lyrics, and he thought it was saying, Despite all the rain, I'm still just dry in the train. <laughs> he, he, you know, it's dreary outside. But I'm here happy, making progress on the way to my destination, and everything's joyful and sunny inside, especially in my heart. So, I mean, the the discrepancy between I'm stuck in my rage as a rat in a cage, despite the rain, I'm dry in my train. You couldn't get further apart. So I said, well, no wonder why you think it's so cheery. By the way, this is what it really says. And the look on his face of horror, like, oh, I really butchered that one. 
That is similar to what's happening in our gospel passage, except it's flip-flopped. Okay? The, the original understanding of the Sabbath was a glorious gift from God. And the Pharisees found a way to mishear it and distort it and turn it into an unbelievable chore and burden. It went from gift to burden. And so what happens in the text? And so first, Jesus lets his disciples pluck grain. He didn't command them to. He said they were hungry, and so they plucked grain. The funny thing is that Deuteronomy actually says, hey, if you're actually hungry, you can do something like that on the Sabbath. It's okay. And so you actually are allowed, if you actually are reading the law, it actually allows you to do that. The second time he made the Pharisees angry, he kind of did it on purpose. If you look at it, he's Jesus isn't just the pious, serious all the time. He was provocative. He actually saw the guy with the withered hand and was like, come on up. And then he actually turned to them. He's like, so Pharisees. Is it, am I supposed to do good or bad on, on, like he's actually setting them up. Like he's kind of poking them. <laughs> and then he heals the man. So I want you to see how intentional Jesus, Jesus is ta- taking their Sabbath fixation, where they're kind of sitting there perseverating on it, and taking their shiny toy away from them and watching how anxious they actually get. So the original good news gets twisted into bad news by the Pharisees. Now, to understand why I say that, let's talk about the original Sabbath. The Sabbath is about rest and celebration of freedom from bondage. The two things the Sabbath is about is rest. That doesn't sound like burdensome anxiousness, rest, in celebration from bondage, not burden. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because in Genesis, in the creation account, God works for six days, and then God says, I'm done. I'm just going to enjoy my creation and rest on the seventh. And I want you to do the same. The Sabbath is a gift where we actually get to stop being distracted by other things and actually focus on God and enjoy his gift of his creation. It is a gift of rest. And then in Deuteronomy, it's in the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, it says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Why? Because you were slaves in Egypt and I redeemed you and I remembered you. Because, so remember in rest, remember my work of redemption of you. So when, when the Bible's talking about the Sabbath, it, it's ridiculous for, for us to read the Sabbath and go, oh, Sabbath. <laughs> I mean, when, they, when, and when you're reading the Bible and you hear Sabbath, it has echoes of gift, of rest redemption from slavery, from a brutal dictatorship that wanted to crush you and didn't treat you like you were the people of God. And so that's why Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's a reminder of God's graciousness. It's a reminder of his gift of rest. It's a reminder of his redemption. It's a reminder that we're the people of God, no longer enslaved to a slave master. We don't have to wake up at prison hours anymore because we're actually free. That's the picture of the Sabbath. But then the Pharisees get a hold of it, and they distort it, and they twist it. They made a list of 39 things, activities, that you were not supposed to do on the Sabbath. They took rest and celebration of freedom and worship of God and made a checklist of 39 things to make sure you weren't doing. 
They, I mean, they're the kind of person who would crawl into your head and become a voice on your shoulder all the time where you, you can't even enjoy what you're doing because you're so worried about doing it wrong. That's what they did to the Sabbath. But thankfully, Jesus actually fulfills the original heartbeat of the Sabbath. Let me read some things that Jesus said. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Or, I'm here to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Or the Apostle Paul, listen to the language of slavery. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because Jesus, through Jesus, the spirit of life sets you free from the law of sin and death. Come to me if you're weary, and I will give you rest. You are no longer condemned, and you are free from the law of sin and death. Because of Jesus, because we are in Christ, there is no shame. There is no condemnation. There is only the good news of the forgiveness of sins. You're invited to rest in his love and the freedom to actually walk in freedom. So we don't have to take God's gracious gift and turn it into some distorted obligation. We don't take the cure and turn it into a poison. That's what they did. They took the cure for what ailed them and found a way to take the cure in such a way that it was poisonous to their relationship with God. Now, the move of doing that has influence for us. Many of us think God like the Pharisees. Think about God the way the Pharisees did. Many of us think that God is like um, Procrustes. There's a there's a myth, the Procrustean bed. If you've heard, if you haven't heard of it, let me tell you about the Procrustean bed. The Procrustean bed is a myth. And it was this Procrustes, if that's how you say his name, that's how we're going to say it for the next 10 minutes, is, um, would, had a magical bed of hospitality. And this bed would magically fit every traveler. Sounds hospitable, doesn't it? And so if you were six foot tall and the bed was too long, somehow it would fit a six foot tall person. If you were five foot five, it would somehow fit you. And so Procrustes would look out And see the weary traveler off in the distance and say, hey, traveler, I know you're weary and you're probably afraid because there's all the wild beasts. Come on in. I got food and shelter and I got a bed that perfectly fits you. Now, the reason it was magical is because Procrustes would actually size up his victim from a distance and go, ah, that one's six foot. I'm going to shrink the bed on purpose. And when that traveler lays in the bed, I'll have to chop off his legs to make him fit. Or that traveler is five foot five. I'm going to grow my magical bed to six foot, and then I will stretch them until they fit perfectly a six foot bed. It's the opposite of hospitality. It's chopping and stretching to make the person fit the bed. That's backwards. That's not hospitality. That's torture. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were taking this wonderful bed and making other people feel stretched and chopped. That's how we too often, and especially as how people who don't believe in the Christian faith think about God. They think God is playing some game like that to them. God's not like the Pharisees. God's not like Procrustes going, hey, I got great invitation. Let me stretch or chop you. 
Now, some of you do that to yourselves. Some of you look at your lives and you start stretching yourselves beyond limit and the anxiety is so much and the burden and you're exhausted. Or there's things in your life that you just start hacking at. You start hacking at your emotions or relationships. Think about the ways in your life that you have been stretched or chopped by yourself or stretched and chopped by others. However you experience that, I want you to know God's not the Procrustean bed invitation. That's not what he's doing. In Christ, he's actually doing the exact opposite. He actually won for us our rest. He fulfilled the law of God perfectly. He was, he didn't just die for our sins. He actually fulfilled the obligation of obedience in such a way that we never have. And then we get to be declared righteous because of his righteousness. He worked so we rest in him. This, by the way, this rest isn't slothfulness. We'll get to that in a second. He worked in obedience so we could rest in him, in the freedom. He subjected himself to the Procrustean bed. He said, I'll lay in the bed. I'll get stretched and chopped on the cross, literally. So I'll be treated like the prisoner. I will go to the slave cell. I'll go to the prison cell. So you can go free. You are forgiven. You're no longer enslaved to sin and the sins that you've committed and the sins done against you. There is wonderful celebration of your freedom that he's conquered Satan's sin, hell, death, and the grave. Now, there will be a time in heaven when there is only rest and only celebration because there's no more sin. There is a time that is to come that all that is there is rest and celebration because there is no more sin. And so one of our messages as Christians is for us to look to that in great hope. But there's more than just looking into the future. We can actually ask if God will break into right now with that goodness that's in the future. That's what the, that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit takes what Jesus does and makes it ours. He gives it to us. He breaks into the darkness with his light. So... Um, in the middle of your anxiety, in the middle of your exhaustion, ask him for the future rest that is yours, that he already won. Ask him to break in now into that. In the middle of your temptation of going right back to the bondage and putting the chains right back on your wrist of slavery to sin, Ask him for freedom from that. You will be free. You will rest and you will be free. But he might make you free sooner than the future. He might make you free now. He loves answering those prayers. God is not an angry Procrustean dictator. He's actually a good father who loves to hear what his children need. He's going, you want rest? I'd like to answer that prayer. You'd like freedom from my enemy and your enemy? Let's do this. He loves to answer that prayer. And that's what our collect, if you look at our collect, our collect says this. I mean, just so you don't have to get all, like, okay, am I praying for rest? You don't have to think through the, the, the algebra form of rest, and he did this and this and this. Look at this. Our God put away from us, we entreat you, all hurtful things. 
That's our prayer of freedom from bondage. And give us those things which are profitable for us. That's our rest. I mean, just cry out for help. That's one of the prayers he loves is us crying out for him. So instead of the procrustean bed, I want to tell you another story of what God's really like. He's not like procrustes. He's like this. During the Civil War, there was a, a wealthy, white, Christian male who went to a slave auction. And there was a woman who was being auctioned. And she was hurt and she was frustrated and angry. And she was just watching her fate powerlessly unfold in front of her. And so this man started bidding. And he bid and bid and bid until he purchased her. And she walked up to him because she just got purchased and looks up at him and he says, you're free. Completely free. Well, she didn't have that category. Said, well, what does that even mean? Said, can I go wherever I want to go? Said, yeah. Said, can I, can I say whatever I want to say? And he said, you're free. You can say whatever you want to say. Can I do whatever I want to do? You're free. I paid the price. It's my expense. You're free. You can say whatever you want to say. You can do whatever you want to do. And she said, okay, can I go wherever I want to go? The ultimate test of freedom. And he says, that's what freedom means. You're free. She said, well, in that case, I'm going with you. Why else? Why would she not? This is the safest place to be. <laughs> the one who at his expense happily gives you freedom. That's the picture of what we celebrate with the Sabbath. Jesus won the rest. He paid the price for the rest. He paid the price for our redemption from bondage. And so where else would we go? This kind of message doesn't instigate slothfulness and licentiousness. If anything, it actually triggers our worship and obedience. That's why we show up every Sunday to worship Jesus for who he is and what he's done and what it means for us. So all of this is an invitation. I want to invite you to cry out to God for rest now. And I want to invite you to look to the future for the rest that is to come. I want to invite you to cry out to God for freedom now from the things that ensnare you. He loves to free his children from his enemy and your enemy. But also look to the future where if you don't stop limping until you die and get to heaven, you do have ultimate freedom coming. But I also want to invite you to worship. Worship Jesus for what he's done for us. But the last invitation is I want you to not only worship, but I want you to take this in and embrace it so much that it becomes the message that you give to your friends. Because they need to hear this message too. If anything, the world needs to hear about what Jesus has done is eternal rest and freedom from the things that trip us up and harm us and offend him. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you that you are... Gracious and patient, we thank you that you're active, that you've sent your son, Jesus Christ, to accomplish this for us, not only so we could be forgiven, but so we could be free and follow you and worship you and be adopted into your family. So send your Holy Spirit to work the truth of your gift of Sabbath and all it means into our hearts and minds so it grows and bears fruit that glorifies you but also shows the world who you are. Amen.